Welcome to episode 27 of the Pokemon Gold podcast. James Carew, co-editor of Pokemon Gold, and you're listening to the 27th installment of the podcast striking partner to Ireland's only football magazine. Pogba Gold looks at football culture from around the world, and at our online shop, you currently find past issues of the magazine, including our latest issue 8, over 70 pages of writing, illustration and design from Irish and international contributors. You'll also find our brand new scarf, inspired by one of World Football's most famous partnerships. Sometimes a shirt sponsor can elevate a jersey design to glorious heights and this is our homage to one of the best ever from Inter Milan. Check it out at pogmagold.bigcartel.com On today's episode, we're talking to a photographer whose photo essay appeared in issue 8 of the Pogma Gold magazine featuring the fans, sights and sounds of the famous and sometimes infamous Millwall FC. Jerome Favre is a French portrait and documentary photographer based in Southeast London who has spent three years working on No One Likes Us, an immersive look inside the world of Millwall FC. It's a fresh exploration of Millwall supporters that re-evaluates their reputation in contemporary football culture. Welcome to the Pokemon Gold podcast, Jerome. Thanks very much. Jerome, we've wanted to get you on for a while. We absolutely love the photo essay in the magazine but before we jump into that as we do with all the guests on the podcast we like to ask how you first got interested in football um okay so i'm i'm from france as you can hear from my accent uh from a, 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 a quite a small mining town called Lens. uh it's a bit of a shithole to be honest but we've got <laughs> a mighty football club so just to give yes. you a little bit of context that I think the, the, the town it says it is there's thirty three thousand people. The stadium holds forty one thousand. It's 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 central to everybody's life here. You know, like you know, um, like with you know with some clubs in England. Um, so I think you know when I was five or six, I started playing football, and my dad took me to the stadium. And at the time, it was all standing, so I think it was fifty two thousand capacity. And it's just, I think more than the football is the you know the colours and the the noises and everything that really. Uh, you know the vibrations in the stadium that that really uh, that really struck me and uh, mm. and yeah I was hooked from day one and then I guess I looked at football a little bit differently as I grew up you know sort of trying to analyze games a little bit better and you know uh, following sorts of players and everything but yeah that was my first initiation I guess okay and how did you get into photography uh, so photography I I was always you know it was always a hobby of mine. I didn't study photography at school or university. It's something that sort of I've 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 been I've worked in a creative industry for a couple of decades now. Uh, so it's always something that I had also uh, used in my career. And but I sort of you know developed my skills to reach a sort of professional level now. 
and I am now, you know, commercial photographer and I do, you know, a few, um, a few different side projects like No One Likes Us. Uh, mm. I did a, a project on Peckham as well a few years back. Um, and I'm trying to find another project to work on at the moment. Okay. Involving football or not, not necessarily? I'm not sure. I think I'm going to take a little break uh, with photography and football. I'm okay. not taking a break from football at all. I still love football. Okay. Uh, just, you know, maybe something a little bit more quiet and peaceful. <laughs> more quiet, quieter than Millwall fans. Maybe, maybe less intimidating in a way. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Did you play football growing up? Yes, I did. Okay. I did. I was awful. But I loved it. Well, that's half the battle is loving it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what about... Uh... France's performance at the World Cup? Oh, God, you're going to break my heart again. <laughs> um, look, I know, I know we, we're not necessarily a popular side because of the way we play. Uh, you know, uh, I think Deschamps has got a very strong idea of what national team should do. He doesn't believe in a, that you can create a, a sort of identity of play, you know, when you have players for just a couple of weeks a year, really, or you know, this sort of thing. So, He's just creating a team that's a nightmare to play and we're very good in, you know, counter-attacks. Um, but then, you know, we had players like Griezmann who had fantastic tournaments. So um, I, I loved it. Uh, it was a, a great journey. Um, we were terrible in the final, but then, you know, woke up in the last 15 minutes, they could have, and we could have won it at the end. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think Argentina on the day probably deserved it a little bit more. Um, before they started celebrating, anyway, um, I, I've got to say I, I hate Martinez now, but <laughs> and, you know, yeah, like I mean, they didn't cover themselves in glory with their celebrations. Do you take any comfort in being part of one of the greatest World Cup, possibly the greatest World Cup final ever? No, not at all. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It was hard. It's heartbreaking to. I mean, I, you know, like uh, like England fans, but no, you know, to lose a, a the final of a great competition. On penalties, it's it's really harsh. But I guess Argentina did play better for you know uh, a majority of the game, so they probably deserved it a little bit better. But they are bad winners. Um, yeah, I mean the celebrations have left a bitter taste for some people. So us us being um, an Irish podcast, we have to face the French very soon in March. So yes, and then the rugby on Saturday. Yeah, we. The rugby as well. We'll probably uh, fare better in the rugby than the football, but you never know. If we could turn some of our rugby players in, into footballers, we might have a better chance. Are you, are you going to mention Thierry Henry in a handball? No. Good. <laughs> I was at that game. Um, Were you? I was there. I'm, I, I'm, I'm contemplating going back uh, for the away game, but we gather it won't be in Paris because of the Rugby World Cup. Right, yeah, yeah, of course. So we're not sure what city it will be in yet, but I've been to I've been to the Euros in France. I've been to Paris for a game. Uh, the Fr we love going over there. The French fans, the French people really take to us. So uh, yeah, it's a great trip. It's a great trip for Irish fans. Excellent. Well, that's good. That's good to know. I remember watching that game in the pub in Hernhill. I used to live in Hernhill, and I was surrounded by Irish fans, and I was I think I was the only French supporter there. Hmm. And um, when the game finished, I actually apologised to the two fellas behind me because it, it's a it's a really awful way to win. Like you know, it was yeah. it was terrible. 
I think uh, the kind of, and I'm guilty of this myself, the the criticism of Henri now is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. So it's it's kind of fun just to keep, it's kind of fun to continue it. I think deep in our hearts we're probably over it, but maybe not, not 100% maybe. Yeah, but to be honest, I mean, it would have been better if France hadn't qualified because when you see the, uh, the World Cup that they had in South Africa, you know, I mean, that damaged... Um, their image, you know, for a good ten years, even in France, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and and that was the kind of that was the thing of. Uh, in the same with rugby, you're not quite sure what French team will turn up in a tournament, but I think they've hit a bit more consistency now with, a consecutive World Cup finals and, uh, just uh, the the talent of Mbappe, etc. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I and mean, I think you know with the um, well, I think I mean it's it's there's probably two factors. There's obviously Deschamps was a. Super pro- pra- pragmatic coach, and you know, he's always won uh, as a coach or as a player, he's won pretty much everything. But there's also the fact that you know, France um, produces a huge amount of young players, and you know, they um, and then they go on to play for various nations because they can't all play for France. But I think the uh, the academy system in France is, is really top notch, yeah. And what about the the league, league on itself? Um, obviously, like PSG you know, are, are this giant of it and the money behind them. What's your feeling about the direction the league is going and the chances of smaller clubs like Lons? The league is becoming more and more popular, which is good. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of PSG myself and I'm not a huge fan of these massive corporate clubs um, either. Uh, but, you know, Lens, uh, you know, we still got a, a small budget and until recently we were second in the league, three points behind behind Paris and at the moment we're currently we're third so you know we we're doing really well and you know I was watching a, a game on BT Sport and the uh, I can't remember who the presenter was but he said you know if you like if you'd like to go and see continental football you know this is the place to go like it's a fantastic stadium the atmosphere is brilliant it's not too far from London or, or the UK or Ireland but the the, the trouble is to find the tickets because it's wow. every, game, every game is sold out well, that's really good to hear. My my brother, who's the other half of Pogum Gold Key, has a, he's gone to Paris FC a couple of times and he has raved about, he said it's one of his best experience, football trips, best football experiences to go to that that level and see the, the real French football culture. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, that's, I think that's, um, you know, it's going to link to, to, to my work on Millwall, but, you know, I think that's why I explore Millwall as well, because I, I'm more interested in clubs that are, you know, that have these traditional venues that are, that are based around a community, basically. Uh, you know, they're not a, a huge brand. I don't, you know, I don't care about that. I just care about, you know, the community, what they represent, you know, the club values that have been uh, carried out for, you know, decades. Uh, and then, you know, if there's a foreign investor that comes in, you, I, you know, it happened to Lance. There was an Azeri guy, I think, in the uh, early 2000s, and the club was nearly liquidated after that. And I think everybody learned a lesson. You know, there's a lot of fans who were who didn't want him, but there's a lot of fans who are saying, "Oh, we're going to get the best players in the world now, and everything's going to be amazing." Um, so yeah, definitely not interested in those clubs. And it's, uh, it's more about because I'm a, I'm a fan of football culture, so I'm more interested in clubs that you know really present, represent the community. Yeah, and and we're speaking at a time where. Manchester United are rumoured to have potential Qatari take over and the scandal around Man Man City and potential, you know, potential punishment, potential relegation. Well, who knows? But this kind of 
uglier side of all that money, the absolute opposite of Millwall, I suppose, which brings us nicely to uh, how you found yourself in London and that part of London. Teams hate coming to the den. We're a passion of bunch, very misunderstood at times, but we're used to that now. I was offered 20% less, better in mind if I get an international job than I was at Millwall. Approach it is to feel a sense of grim foreboding, the ground itself, the dead. Then you get out there to face them, the lions. No one likes us, we don't care. Yeah, so I, I moved to London in 2005 to well, to start working in the, you know, for a creative, a creative agency. Uh, I used to live in Hernhill. For, I think I lived in the Hunt Hill for about seven or eight years, and then I, I bought a flat here in New Cross, um, not far at all from the stadium. Um, mm. And, you know, I started going to a few games, and, you know, I've seen, I saw the supporters um, in pubs, and obviously I, uh, a very good friend of mine is a, is a Derby County fan, so we went to a few, uh, a few other games in London, so I had been to Millwall, you know, to support Derby and everything, and you know, that's when I learned a little bit more about Millwall and their reputation, and um, which is pretty bad. And you know, I remember the first time we went to Millwall with the Derby visitors, we were escorted via a tunnel back to South Bermondsey Station, and we could only get a train back to London Bridge. So I couldn't go. Like I'm, li- I live literally five minutes away from the stadium, but I had to. I was escorted by police and everything under a tunnel, and so it was. It was a fairly scary experience at the time. I don't think they do that anymore, but. So you went as an away fan to Millwall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a Millwall fan. I'm interested in the club. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't call myself a Millwall fan. I, you know, it's, it it fascinates me because it's um again, you know, it's a working class club. There's a lot of um things that are similar. You know, uh, there's loads of parallels between my hometown club and Millwall. You know, the uh, again, it's that sense of community. Um, you know, uh, Millwall was founded by the, the workers of. Uh, the JT Morton's canning uh, factory, mm-hmm. you know, in Lens, it's basically by the workers, by the by the mine workers, by right. the mining company, um, and you know that's what formed the community. It's a real working class community around the club, and you know that's another aspect that um, that interested me. And because unfortunately, you know, these clubs tend to be under the radar, really, um, usually, uh, and because they're working class clubs, they get a bad name, or you know, the fans get a bad name. Um, for example, you know that there's a whole, I think maybe especially in Britain, there's a whole demonization of the working class that, that goes on sometimes, uh, you know, in the um, in 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 some newspapers anyway, and in some media. Uh, yeah. And and I, you know, I've always thought that was really unfair. Um, and so, like, you know, that's why, yeah, that, that that's what that's why I was interested. To be, you know, I'm not interested in the way they play football because it's not very good. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been to I've been to quite a lot of games and I've really enjoyed myself in terms of football um but it was it was fantastic to meet the people yeah i mean you can't talk about millwall without talking about that reputation and i mean any little bit of research i've done says 
you know, we can't deny there has been hooligan elements in its history. I mean, there's up to 100 years of kind of uh, reported trouble with the fans. Um, and just in terms of you going there as an away supporter, maybe what did you experience in terms of uh, the reaction towards you from the, let's say, the harder elements of the home support? Well, as an away supporter, I mean, you get that... Uh... So you know the the, the Millwall is famous for the um, sorry the name escapes me. Uh, it's it's the name of a street where the stadium was before. Uh, but I think the harder fans sit next. You know they they sit in the Barry Kitchener stand, uh, nearer mm-hmm. the away fans just to you know provoke them and everything. So there was a lot of that going on, and there was some banners and everything. And I remember there was something, some at, at some point a racist banner as well, uh, towards I think a, a, a derby player or something. Um, right. So this sort of stuff, this sort of stuff, so not not you know not not particularly tasteful. Uh, yeah, I mean, Millwall gets a, rep- a particular reputation for it. I was listening to a sports program here in Ireland with a Manchester United correspondent. So after Man United played Leeds, and he said he was there, he was there as the Leeds fans were being escorted in, and it was like pretty ugly. So it there's kind of I think there's probably almost all clubs have an element, but for for some reason it's kind of heightened with Millwall. And without I don't want to labour too much on it, but for example, I would travel a lot to see games. My brother would travel a lot to see games, and I would be wary of going to Millwall, despite I live here in London. I would be wary of going there i i would have vi- people come to visit and we would look for a game that's on in london and if Millwall were at home i would think twice about it and there there's a couple of reasons for that i mean i had i know of a particular weekend where two people came over from ireland to say to see the same game and i asked them how was the game they were in different parts of the ground how how did you find the atmosphere and one loved it and the other guy said there was so much abuse directed at Millwall's Irish player that he kept his mouth shut to hide his accent. And so, I mean, I guess I guess you just have to anticipate what what you're getting into when you go there. Or is that fair or is that harsh? I think as, a, as an away supporter, I think I think you do. Uh, and, um, you know, usually the supporters arrive, the away supporters arrive in the bus, uh, they go straight to the stand. Uh, so they don't hang out with the Millwall supporters. For you know, there, there's no, to to my knowledge, there's no away pub near Millwall. Mm. You know, usually I don't know if you go to Fulham. I, I know because I've been to Fulham quite a lot. There's the Temperance, or if you go to Charlton, there's the there used to be the Rose of Denmark, that sort of stuff, uh, which is sort of well known. And um, and and you know, uh, the the for example, the Charlton fans were are, are, are fine with it. But I think if there was a couple of away supportive pubs around their wall, they potentially could be some trouble. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it's the reputation. I think the, the, you know, the police probably has something to, to say about that. But what I would say is that is a minority of the supporters, you know, and it's, mm. it's a, yeah, it, it's, it's a tiny minority of the supporters, but unfortunately they're very vocal and you do, yeah. you do hear them when you go to Coblo Lane. Sorry, that was the name of the, uh, of the stand uh, that I wanted to mention earlier, which is, you know, where the, the cop, is yeah and you 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 do hear horrible things sometimes directed at the fans the ref uh some some of their players i mean they can be awful towards their players which is always very shocking to me Mm -hmm. um but again yeah it's a tiny minority um and it's it's funny because you see i've seen more and more 
young middle class people get to know over the years. You know, so it's starting to attract a different audience, I think. Yeah, and maybe it's that antithesis to the Premier League and the ugly money, perhaps. I think so, yeah. Yeah, more sort of, you know, grassroots football club. And that what comes across in your photo essay, and especially looking through your work on your Instagram and website, the, the match days in particular is, yeah, it looks more authentic. It looks more real. It's a real mix of generations. And what, what drove you to kind of catalogue it first? And what has been your experience meeting the people? Well, I think, it, you know, as like you said in your... In your introduction, I, I, I sort of wanted to take a closer look at the supporters, their reputation, and try to reassess it through photography. Um, and, um, you know, what I, I went there to, you know, to meet people, to talk to people. Obviously, I, you can't go to Millwall and take a portrait of someone without asking him or yeah. her. Uh, you'll get in trouble, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the sort of wide images, the sort of documentary style, you know, I don't have, a, I don't have to ask, but, you know, when you, when you see a portrait here, we see, I've asked these people and I, I've spoken to them, you don't necessarily have a lot of time, but what's interesting is that you see them again and again and again and again, because, you know, they all have season tickets, especially the people who, um, who sit in, on, in Coblo Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so that's interesting. And you see them in a few pubs around, you know, the stadium before or after or, um and it's it's quite nice and you know you you i think after a while you know people started to recognize me and you know accept that i was around and oh yeah this geezer is going to take your photo and everything and you know the, the first time i remember the first couple of times there's a couple of people who said you know, why are you taking photos you know are you are you with the old bill and things like that? Like, well no <laughs> certainly not i'm just you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just interesting in the, interested in the club yeah is there anyone memorable any memorable characters um yeah i mean yeah there, there are there are a few i mean um like there, there's the, the there's a photo that i really like from the series is the sort of skinhead guy with the millwall uh lion on his skull yeah and which we we have in the, the issue of, uh, of the union jack and and when i saw him i was like oh god he's 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 scary you know like yeah. he's, a, he's a scary guy and then i approached him i said I'm terribly sorry, but you know I've been working on this series of photos for um, you know a project that I'm doing on Millwall with the Bill Whites. If uh, I, I took a picture of the back of your head, and he was he was the most polite, <laughs> gentle you know sort of guy, and he's yeah of course yeah yeah what do you want me and everything and yeah have a good night you know like it, yeah um, you know appearances are deceiving sometimes. Yeah, that's great. And there's the famous story of the the terrorist attack at London Bridge and the Millwall supporter who didn't, he stand up to him and said, I'm, I'm Millwall, like, uh, come have a go at me. Yes, yes. Uh, he, he, yeah, so I, I, I know that story, but I don't know if you know what happened later in Elephant Castle, maybe a year or two later, he didn't occur himself in glory. He was involved in a racist incident uh, that was filmed on camera. The same guy? The same guy, yeah. Wow, okay, yeah. You know. It's 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 complicated, Millwall. Um, but I would say most of the people that I've met, you know, they've been they've been fairly open to having a photo taken, to have a little chat with a with someone like me. Uh, you know, I'm sure they could. You know, they can hear my accent. They know. I, you know, I'm I'm sure they can say, they can tell a middle class and maybe not from their world, if you know what I mean. But I try to. You know, when they ask me more about what I'm doing, you know, I always draw the parallel with my hometown club, and that makes yeah. that that makes a lot of sense to them. So you you kind of decided for the project you wanted to immerse yourself with the fans for three years. 
Is that right? That wasn't that wasn't the plan. Three years wasn't the plan. I wanted to do it for a year or a year and a half, but it's be you know it was interrupted by COVID basically. What were kind of your uh, expectations going in, and maybe how they changed towards the end of the project? Um, well, I was expecting you know something very intimidating, something fairly scary, uh, and it was to a degree not not scary, not scary, but intimidating. Uh, there are some intimidating people there. Mm. Um, but to be honest, I, I felt, felt, you know, pretty well received throughout. Um, and what, you know, what I wanted is, you know, to get a lot of portraits of these people, because I think the portraits tell a story. Um, I wanted, you know, situations in the stadium, situations in pubs around the stadium, the stadium, this sort of, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, real sort of documentary photography documentary around the club, but, you know, which includes uh, a lot of portraits as well. The, yeah. the, this point, the, the frustrating thing is that uh, I couldn't take a lot of photos in the stadium because you, you can't carry a, a camera with you. So I did a lot with my phone. I did a lot with a small camera, which I hid in my bag. And I did contact the club to explain what I was doing and send them photos and um, of, the, of the project as it, as it was ongoing and everything. But they had, they showed no interest in it. Um, really? Fortunately, yeah, yeah. I never had like you know. I asked them for a little, say, you know, say your badge to the um, you know behind the goal, for example, to be able to take some photos of fans, fan reactions, and things like that. And have authorized, you know, uh, camera and stuff. But yeah, that never happened. That's disappointing because I mean, you you kind of state that you set out to maybe reevaluate their reputation, and you think the club would have supported that. I think you know maybe um, so. I'm, I'm currently working on the uh, on on the book. Finally, uh, yeah. I was just you know laying it out before I spoke to you. Um, so working on that, and then I'm, I've got a friend who's a designer who's going to sort of design it for me. So I think I will approach them again. I will certainly approach the the uh, the store at the stadium, and you yeah. know try to sell it to them. I mean the the reaction on on social media has been amazing from the fans. You know they they love yeah. it because they all say you know it's 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 an honest look at us but you know it's it's uh it's very true you know it's not negative it's not from a negative point of view it's just really honest that's what i wanted to achieve you know i like i said earlier you know i'm not a Millwall fan i didn't go there to be to take photos and show that they're absolutely lovely or or anything yeah. like that. i just wanted to be to have an honest look at it yeah and was there any kind of uh motivation on their part to tell you to, to change the reputation of the club not 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 particularly not when i met them and took photos i mean you know most of the people were okay with it but you could i think there was always maybe i think there was always a degree of suspicion maybe with the older generation with the younger yeah. people that i've met there uh, i've got some photos of them I've, I've, they were definitely more open uh you yeah. know to having a chat and to listen to what i had to say with you know what i was trying to achieve there basically Looking through the photos and the ones that uh, appear in, in issue eight of the magazine, it, I mean, they are amazing. It's real, like, authentic football, isn't it? I love the one of the, the club chaplain. <laughs> uh, I'm, not sure I've, I'm not sure I've ever encountered a club chaplain before, I'm sure. Well, you neither. Know, I've never seen him before, but there you go. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, he was, he, was obviously, he was a lovely gentleman, yeah. The one in the magazine also was the like the food truck, and it said uh, all prices include cheese and onion, which I thought was funny. Like even the tea and coffee. <laughs> the food around the uh, around the stadium is amazing. Like the offer, and it's it's it, you know it's it's pretty much junk food, but 
So uh, another thing with me is that I'm, I'm a foodie, like I love cooking, I love going to a nice restaurant and everything, but I'm yeah. not a snob and I love yeah. junk food. You know, I love a, I love a kebab, I love a, a fried chicken and stuff like that. And I tried everything and God, I, yeah. That was my Saturday lunchtime sorted, you know, I really enjoyed really? it. Really? So it's, 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 as junk food goes, Millwalls is decent. I, I wouldn't say decent, but it's just <laughs> satisfying, you know, and really greasy. Yeah. And it's, it's just, and I love the atmosphere of these places as well. Because, yeah. you know, especially there's the Millwall Cafe, which is just outside the stadium. And it's covered, uh, you know, with, uh, with picture frames and everything from players from all the different eras. And all the people are there chatting and, you know, the... Um, Unfortunately, the, the people who run it never let me take their photos because they are, I mean, they have such a great look, you know, and I yeah. really wanted to take a photo, especially of the girls, but they, they wouldn't let me, unfortunately. They didn't want to be in the pictures? Nah, nah. Too um, yeah. sort of image conscious, I guess, you know, it's like, oh, no, don't have makeup on or anything. So it's, it's, I'm not, you know, it's not a fashion shoot, but no, they were like, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the, the photos of the cafe are brilliant. I really like those ones. And uh, you said they... Like they had past teams on the wall. I mean, funnily enough, Ireland has a big connection with Millwall because uh, so we would have had a, a famous broadcaster called Eamon Dunphy would have played with Millwall. Um, but when I remember when the Irish team, when I was growing up, were doing really well, uh, a lot of a lot of players were with Millwall, like Mick McCarthy, Tony Cascarino. And they came to play in my well, city. They, 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 he did, with Teddy Sheringham. Yeah, Teddy Sheringham, I, 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 I knew that. But Cascarino, it's funny because I loved him when he was a, a youngster. You know, he, he finished his career in France. I mean, he played everywhere. Yeah, was it was it Marseille he played with in France? Yeah, I think he was at Nancy first and then he, but he ended up in Marseille. And he did really yeah. well. He was, what, he, he was the kind of player, you know, like a tall striker that's not very good with the ball in his feet, but he always <laughs> yeah, had exactly. a way to, uh, to score, you know. Yeah, so the Millwall would have played a friendly. They would have toured Ireland at that point, like kind of the height of the nineteen ninety World Cup, eighty eight ninety, when the Irish team was first qualifying for tournaments. So they came and played Kilkenny City, my hometown, and like every every single kid in the county must have been there to see the players from the Irish team. So we always had this kind of soft spot for Millwall, and then you heard hear stories that. Some of the fans didn't necessarily like Irish fans or Irish people, but they probably didn't most like most people. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and is that does that is that um, something that uh, do they still have uh, Irish? I think they've got McNamara, which is very popular with the uh, with the club now. They're number two. Sean Williams was there for a while. They've actually just signed a teenager from Shamrock Rovers. So we seem to have a connection. We had Richie Sadler there, who's another famous uh, Irish broadcaster. So we all seem to have a connection with, with Millwall. And uh, just, yeah, Danny McNamara, he's, he's Irish, yeah. McNamara, is he? Born in, uh, born in London, but uh, Irish, yeah. Uh, okay. Irish nationality. He plays for Republic of Ireland under 21. There you go. So you've educated me, but we've kept that heritage going. And I just, I just see here, so three seasons, uh, Cascarino and Sheringham played together and scored 99 goals between them. That's decent, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I think Sheringham signed for Spurs after. And, and McCarthy, Mick McCarthy being a defender then became the manager of Millwall and that left Millwall to become the Ireland manager. And I think he was only like, 36 years old or something so yeah we have that 
Ireland has a weird connection with Millwall, so we have a soft spot for them, even if they don't necessarily have a soft spot for us. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of Irish people in London. Maybe that's that's where the connection stands as well, I guess. But Yeah, exactly. Another thing that kind of jumps out from your photography is a mix of ethnicities. And I know that that may not have always been the case with Millwall in the past. So, I, I you know, I've spoken to a work colleague of mine who growing up around that area, uh, she's a black lady, said, you know, they were told when Min- when Millwall were playing at home, you didn't play in the street. Yeah, I think I think there was a there was an element of that in uh, you know historically, you know Millwall is in South Bermondsey and Bermondsey has always been a bit of a hot spot for racism in in London, unfortunately. And mm. you know there was the New Crossfire in the eighties near here as well. Um, I think Enoch Powell had uh, uh, you know links to uh, to Bermondsey as well. So. Yeah, it, the whole area has a, a bad reputation for that, but you know you, you you do get to see more and more black people going to to the games, and obviously they've got loads of black players as well. Mm. Um, in their youth team, uh, again, you know, I photographed a few of the youth team players, and they, you know, there's a lot of uh, of black kids as well. And you know, the the people, the black people I photographed uh, who may have made it to my Instagram page or to the project or not, you know, they when I talk to them about me, well, you know, they're all passionate for the club. It's uh, you know, and there's no um, they don't have an issue with maybe the club's past and to be to be fair to the club i think you know they they communicate very strongly you see posters everywhere it's li- literally everywhere you know kick racism kick racism out if you hear anything unsavory reported to this number and, and and everything so i think they are trying to they're really trying to make a, an effort the club you know yeah um, to to change behaviors to a degree because there are still some behaviors like that but maybe more um you know the, the the reputation of the club as well yeah and i know like when we came out of covid and crowds started to come back to the stadiums that millwall fans were criticized for booing the taking of the knee but i think then i read in the next game uh both clubs brought out an anti-racism banner that was applauded and kind of a message went out to the fans that the eyes of the world are on you today and they responded in support. So, yeah, again, you, you can't tar everyone with the same brush. I think it's also uh, it's also worth saying that uh, and and kind of London papers reported at the time that in 2017, Millwall was voted family club of the year. So they're making they're making huge strides in that respect, and I I guess that was re- that's also reflected in some of your photography. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you know I think it's uh, it's it's definitely. I mean, it seems like a a, a welcoming community, and as you said, you know, there's people from there's there's a lot of girls, there's a lot of women as well. So you know, all gender, all races. Obviously, you see more white working class people. That's the majority of the people, but you do you do get people and you know any any age as well. You know, you see really young kids and you see really, really old geezers as well. Yeah, that's the great mix. Because I mean that's what that's what you don't see in the Premier League is young kids or you could you could get a family you could get tickets for the family I mean well because the tickets are cheap. You know they're yeah. not I mean they're cheap. They they they're reasonable. I wouldn't say they're cheap, but they're reasonable. And I think you know if you go, especially the the season tickets, I think are reasonable. If you go to the game, I mean it's you know it's like thirty quid in Coblo Lane. And as I said, like the uh, when you look at the quality of the football, sometimes you feel oh, it's been hard on by it. But you know, 
uh, yeah, it's it's fairly reasonable. You know, I mean, it's much cheaper than going to uh, Arsenal or Spurs, isn't it? We commented before that I think it was Stuart Roy Clark who photographs the homes of football. That when he sh- when he has pictures of things like the cop in Anfield from the eighties, it's full of young kids at the front because you'd knock on your neighbour's door and go down to the football like we used to do growing up. But you don't do that at Arsenal. You don't go down and get. 60 quid tickets for a bunch of school kids going in there and that yeah the, the mill wall feels like a throwback to yeah bygone era of football yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and you know i think they're really um i think they're they, you know they're really care for the community uh and obviously you know they want to pass on their passion to the kids and you know why you know it's it absolutely, it absolutely makes sense you know and um you know, when when the kids go there, you know you've got fans for life. It's it, you know it's not uh, it's not the corporate crowd that you know will come and drink champagne and you know go come to a couple of games when they're invited or or whatever. Or, you know, pay hundred pounds and you know come for a couple of games and, and you know not follow the club for the rest of the season. Or it's uh, you know it's a it's a long term investment. Um, so I think business wise, it makes it, it makes sense for for the clubs definitely. And to kind of get into, say, your style, how would you describe your photography style or what is it you look for when you ask someone to pose or for your photographs? Um, so it, it's difficult to, so, so you know, I do, also, I do all sorts of commercial photography and I do portrait photography. I've got a, like a little studio in Peckham and everything. So obviously when you do that sort of stuff, you look at your backgrounds, you look at the lights, you control everything. Uh, this is a mix of you know street photography and uh, and portrait photography. So you shoot them here and there. Obviously, if I see someone against a nice backdrop, uh, a nice backdrop, I'm going to try and run there and you know take their photo if I can, if they let me. Um, but yeah, it's a mixture of the two. So you know, it's in the instant. You can't really don't have time to. Uh, you don't. You can ask them to pose. So usually, I just ask them to look straight in the camera and no smile, uh, yeah. because if they smile, it just makes the picture look cheesy. Uh, okay. Um, and you know, I think you get a, a better idea of the person uh, with them not smiling, just looking neutrally in the camera. Uh, but that's all I have time to do, really, because they've got other things to do they're with their friends, or they're eating, or you know, they're, they're walking to uh, to their stand. Or uh, so you don't have them for. I mean, usually you have them for thirty seconds max. Has there has anyone ever responded negatively when they've seen a picture or anything? No, um, no, but I mean, a majority of people, when I ask them, they just say no, you know, uh, I mean, it's fine by me because if I went to the football and if someone asked to take my photo, I'd probably say no too, so. (laughs) (laughs) When you say street photography, what what do you mean? You just mean literally getting more of the background in? So it's more like, you know, the the sort of candid moments um, that you you capture, uh, you know, Street photography is, you know, where usually where people don't really know what's happening. So uh, don't really know that you're taking the photo. And yeah. it's it's uh, it's also you don't necessarily have a time to pay particular attention to the way you frame it or you compose it. But sometimes when you do that, it, it, it you know, a moment of magic happens and the frame, it, the whole thing looks amazing. And, you know, that that's the that's the art of street photography. Uh, and I'm certainly not saying that I've, I've mastered it, but yeah, so it's a little bit of both, really. Yeah, I mean, I think that comes across in your photography of Notting Hill Carnival. Oh, yeah. 
So I, I went to the carnival for the first time last year and yeah, what you show is more like what I saw rather than what kind of goes out in the brochures. <laughs> yeah, so the carnival is great because it's crowds and everything. So, and so there's so many people taking photos and I always take a, a small camera with me and I shoot all day and I just find it really fun. And, you know, I have a couple of red stripes and have a, I have a little dance and it's just, yeah. I love it. You know, I used to have uh, two mates who lived there on Portobello Road and they had this... Uh, Terrace when we used to dance until the early, uh, until the early hours and watch the uh, carnival go by. So that was amazing. Unfortunately, they moved out now. Yeah, I love the photography. Yeah, it was an amazing experience and the mix of cultures. So you, what is the ultimate aim of the project? You talked about a book. Yeah, so yeah, I'd like to. So I think it's going to be self-published because the club, again, didn't show much interest. Uh, I sent it to a couple of editors. I mean, it, it's, it was well received by, uh, you know, some, um, I think there's a, a, a site called Lower Block. Um, they're going to do a, a sort of magazine around it. It was published in a few football magazines in Europe. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, because I, I spent so many, so, you know, so many Saturdays there and so much time, invested so much time in it, uh, that, you know, I want like a little physical object. And I'm yeah. going to try to do an exhibition, uh, hopefully in a place related to Millwall, so it will be a Millwall pub or Millwall cafe or, you know, you know, somewhere where the fans can come and see. Because when I, I also did a zine, uh, a fanzine with a guy called Wedgley, and the launch was in Shoreditch, so, you know, quite far away from Millwall. But I had loads of Millwall fans come, you know, yeah. and it was, it was so, so nice to see. And, you know, it was really heartwarming. And I was like, wow, you know, this is, they, they actually like the, the stuff, you know, so, so that, that felt really good, yeah. Yeah, you'll have to keep us up to date. We'd definitely be keen to come along to that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, yeah, I, I mean, the process of, you know, trying to lay it out at the moment and trying to find the right order of the photos and make them work together and then it'll be designed and then printed and hopefully, yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, we'll let you know. And I'll, I'll post about it anywhere on Instagram, so. And so despite following them for three years, you didn't quite become a fan. <laughs> no, no. no. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've more of a soft spot for them now. I follow the mm. results and everything. Um, I've not been like I've not been this season um, to a game, uh, to a Millwall game. Um, I think you know, I, I, I certainly will, you know, go back and see a uh, see a game here and there, and oh, I, I will also go with the visitors. Um, yeah, the, I, I'm definitely interested in the club, the, the football. You know, it's, it's not that great. I'm I'm living close to Wimbledon here. Similarly, like good day out. Feel they've just come back to Plough Lane, so it's very much you see the fans around my area. Feels like feels like match day, but the football wasn't great. So yeah, I've got a, one of my best mates, uh, AFC Wimbledon fan. So we're planning to go um, to see that this season. Okay, well, if you do, I'll meet you for a pint somewhere around here. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So you you're in the UK, you know, quite a long time. Have you? experienced any other football here and gone to any other clubs yeah loads well Derby County mostly um I I went to many 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 games there uh with my mate Matt usually around London so you mm. know when they uh I mean they were in the championship for ages so you know whenever they play Charlton Millwall Reading uh you know all these clubs and you know we went to uh we went to Derby to Pride Park a couple of times as well what is your favorite stadium but what would be your favorite stadium you've been to uh well it's my hometown club stadium well i was about to ask would you would you be interested to do a similar project with long i'd love to i would love yeah. to yeah yeah but um i don't live there anymore unfortunately so 
but maybe uh, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, it would be. I, I would really, really like that. Yeah, and I think I think the, if I spoke to the club, you know, found the right person to speak to, and if I could get them interested in that project before I start, you know, maybe that's a lesson to learn from the, the what I did with Millwall. I think we could we could really do something really good. Yeah. Well, hopefully that will happen one day. And uh, to go back to f- French football, you said Lons are doing quite well now. Um, do you see a, another team challenging PSG in terms of anything, in terms of on the pitch, off the pitch? Well, it's, 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 the, uh, it's the usual suspects of Marseille. Lyon, I mean, Lyon is good, not, not very good this year. Monaco, maybe Lille as well. I just didn't see Lyon challenge this year, but I mean, they're doing amazingly well. Uh, I don't think, I mean, at some point, I think just after Christmas, we're three points behind. I think there's eight points now. I think it's pretty much over. But again, you know, with last, like, I remember the glory days. I think we won the title in 98 when France won the first World Cup. So that was a, that was a pretty good year of football. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we qualified for five years uh, for the Champions League. And it was amazing, but it's it. it it just felt a bit too big for a town and a club like Lens. And then after that, we ran into financial trouble and we were relegated and then the club was nearly liquidated. So I'm very careful now, you know, with Lens, you know, trying to qualify for Europe and everything. It's, it's, it's all fine. It's great. But, you know, I'm happy with them being at table and just going to the stadium and enjoy myself, enjoy a good game. We win, we lose. It, it doesn't matter. We spoke about rugby at the start and... Uh, a commentator here on Irish radio said, "When when France prepare for games in France, immersed in their own culture, it's very different to when they come away from home. They're very comfortable there. They prepare differently. Is there anything kind of unique about French football culture that kind of you saw different to Millwall or Premier League, for example? In in terms of culture, I don't I don't think so. I think um." I think what makes the difference is is probably the uh, the way the club invests in their academies in France. It's they make huge investment, and you know it's also well known that you know uh, the French league has less money. I think it always makes me laugh when you, when I hear the English commentators say, "Oh, you know, have you seen what happened in League One? They're, they're shit and everything." I don't think I really don't think it's that shit. It's mm. just you know the clubs have less money, but the young players that they produce is absolutely outstanding. Um, yeah. And you know, and, they, and then they go on to play in England and. Spain and Italy in, in all the best um, leagues. So, I no, I would say I would say it's a it's a it's a very good league. Of course, it's not. It doesn't have all the stars, uh, but you know, it's a very good league that does really well and produces a huge amount of players. Your uh, website also has chronicles some of your travel. You have Japan. I think you have Lisbon in some of them. Are you uh, someone who, when you travel, looks for little? Uh, football references at all yeah yeah absolutely so uh my my girlfriend is japanese so we're going to try and go to japan this year together and uh she lives near the saitama stadium it's the arawa red diamonds so i want to go to the game yeah (laughs) of that and her niece who's 13 is an excellent footballer as well and i want to see her play as well amazing you know women's football in japan is massive um you know they probably 15, 20 years ahead of what's happening in Europe. Um, so yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to go and see that as well. Yeah. Okay. And is there anywhere else would be on your football bucket list, whether to photograph or just to travel to? To travel to, I quite. I I would like to. I mean, obviously, so there, there's Lens, but I, I know it really well. But it'd be great if I if I could do a project there. But 
It's the, um, I mean, there are some stadiums in Scotland that look absolutely incredible. You know, the smaller stadiums. I thought you were going to say Argentina or Brazil or something. You said Scotland. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I've, I've, yeah, I've been to Brazil and Argentina, but we, yeah, unfortunately, we went, we actually visited the, the uh, Boca Junior uh, Stadium, but there was no, there, there were no games. Uh, right. Uh, but, but again, it's not, it's, and you know, again, Boca Junior, I think the, in terms of football culture is very interesting and has a, you know, sense of community around the club, definitely. So I would be definitely interested in going there, but it's difficult. I think football is something that you, you really get involved with. It, I, I don't know. It, it, it would feel a bit like I would feel a bit like a tourist if, if yeah. you know what I mean. Um, you know, yeah. I'm more obviously familiar with the with football in France and, and in the UK. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I never really asked myself that question, so I need to think about that. Yeah, I mean, I I think I understand you, and it's the kind of the draw of Millwall as well. I mean, you're not you're participating in it when you go to a place like Millwall, but when you go to well, Old Trafford or the Emirates on a day out, you are a day tripper, you know, it, 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 and it is the plastic shiny stadium with the superstars. It's almost like going to the theatre, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas, you know, going to your local club where, with your people and everything, I don't know, yeah, it's, uh, it's a different thing, yeah. Yeah, Mill- Millwall is a off-off Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Jerome, absolute pleasure to chat to you. Uh, where are some of the websites and social media handles people can see your work? Uh, so uh, social media handle is uh, Jerome and then F-A-V-R-E. I'm not going to say my name in French because uh, it's, it's tricky. And then uh, the same handle and studio to see my studio work. So Jerome Favre Studio. And uh, on the website is Jerome Favre, again, photography.com. Yeah, and I'd recommend anyone go look at your work. And all, you get a, a sneak peek in issue eight of Pogue McGall at that, that project, No One Likes Us, documenting Millwall, which we love. And exploring the rest of it in the chat with you today has been a pleasure. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure too. And uh, yeah, let's go for that point in, uh, in Wimbledon. We'll, uh, we'll keep in touch. And good luck to Ireland on Saturday. I'll be watching, <laughs> I'll be watching in the pub, actually. <laughs> Great. Cheers, Jerome. Thank you. And that's it for the latest episode. Toggle back wherever you get your pods for previous shows. Check us out online at pogmagold.com and drop us a comment on our social channels. Join us next time on the Pogmagold podcast.